and market conversations. Hi everyone, welcome to the fifth episode of AM Conversations. Today we have a special guest with us. Um, his name is Zaki Jumari, and we're going to be talking about the ABCs of art law. Hi. <laughs> Hi Nadia. <laughs> Hi Zaki. Well, Zaki and I are really old friends. We've known each other for maybe like nearly twenty years. Yeah, along nearly, along those yeah, lines. Along yeah, those lines. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So um, we're going to be talking about art law today because I think it's something that people are really concerned about, right? Um, especially when they just start out trying to buy an artwork and they're wondering, you know, what the implications are or what they have to look out for. And um, maybe you can tell us more about your background and your work with art law. Okay, well, um, I've been a lawyer on and off for about nine years. Mm. Um, so, uh, in the last past two years, basically, I've been, I was the senior legal counsel at National Heritage Board. Um, no longer, but I basically headed the legal team and I advised um, institutions such as um, National Museum and uh, Asian Civilizations Museum, as well as even Gallery and SAM as well, on art law matters, basically. Um, and, you know, the point that you brought up about in the intro about how art law is actually um, uh, sort of a field where people are growing interested in it. And I think it's really important, actually, um, not just as art collectors, but artists as well, or people in the art ecology to actually know a bit more about mm. sort of the legal framework. Um, and then just sort of to take like sort of a risk assessment of what you want to do with uh, the works that you produce or the works that you buy. Um, it's pretty interesting if you hear or, or you read about um, how artists have or have not engaged with the law um, in recent years. Uh, and I think art law is still in a pretty nascent stage in Singapore or in Asia in general, um, when you compare it to Europe and the US, where there's a lot more interest or a lot more litigation, uh, basically um, court hearings or disagreements, but you don't really see that in Asia as much uh, at this point in time. Right. So maybe you can tell us more about, you know, what you think is the number one thing, you know, that like maybe artists need to be aware of, you know, as they're starting on their careers, perhaps. I think the number one thing that you need to be aware of is um, your rights as the owner of the intellectual property. So very often when you produce a work, um, there are two ways to look at it when you produce a work. One is the tangible quality, tangible meaning the physical work itself. So you produce like a painting, for example, and you own the physical painting or your own title to the painting. But Another aspect is actually the intellectual property part, which is the execution or the expression of the idea of the painting. Um, so that's something that you need to keep in mind as well, because you may want to protect it, because uh, you may not want people to just uh, reproduce it on social media, whatever they want, or you want to be very protective about how other people can use it, or if, if you want to sell the artwork then you want to be protective about how other people can use the artwork in the future. So mm. it's really about sort of trying to map and plan and have a consistent way of trying to see, you know, 
where where the lines can be drawn as to where your comfort level is. And how do you protect yourself in that sense, you know, to make sure that all these controls are in place so that no one really exploits you or your yeah. intellectual property? I mean, the simplest way is to have something written down. Okay. Um, I mean, in contract law, basically, anyone can agree to anything verbally. Okay. But in... Lawyers always advise, and lawyers always risk it first. You want to have something written down because then if there's any dispute or there's any disagreement, can always point to this written document and say, hey, but I've already stated down this written document and you agreed to this point. For example, you agreed to not actually uh, show it outside your house. You, you're not supposed to loan it to a museum or you're not supposed to um, put it up for show. So, Because some people are very protective about the artworks that they produce. Um, I you know for whatever reason you have, so these are important things that you need to sort of state down in the documents. And sometimes I know as um artists, sometimes you look at words and documents and you think like, oh, you know, there's such a hassle. You look at why do I need to read all of these uh, clauses? Why do I need to read? It doesn't have to be super complicated, but all it needs to do is just needs to be very clear as to what. Um, you and the buyer or you and the institution um, borrowing your work, you know, what are your rights? Yeah. I mean, I definitely hear what you're saying because sometimes also I think, you know, especially young artists starting out, they might think, well, I'm so glad that someone's even taking notice of my work. I mean, (laughs) what position am I in to even state my terms? But I think that's something smart to do, right? Just to protect, you know, your own rights. And I mean, you are the one who came up with this idea and you're the one who, you know, owns this work and you should have control over it um, as far as you can. And like you said, it doesn't have to be like a very complicated kind of a document, but it has to state clearly like, you know, what can or cannot be done with it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I know that when whenever you start out a, in any career, you're always going to start at the bottom rung and you're always going to feel disadvantaged because you don't really have much bargaining power. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't doubt yourself as to the bargaining power that you have. You should always ask questions. Feel free to ask questions. Um, and if they're not answering your questions in a way that, that, that you are comfortable with, then, you know, just keep asking. Because if you don't assert your rights, you, you know, you might give off the impression that, oh, it's very easy to work with you. You're not going to uh, reject and you're not going to refuse mm. to, to do something. You should always be firm and clear, but always have a good reason. So when they ask why you don't want... Uh, you don't want your work to be displayed in a certain way, then you need to be, you know, you need to give good reasons. Yeah. And you need to persuade them well. And if they see the logic behind your reasons, they understand that this is maybe a very personal work or uh, there are a multitude of reasons, then I think that is clearer. Because whenever people don't agree on certain um, terms or conditions, um, try to approach things by trying to understand how the other side, the reasons behind why the other side is sort of reluctant to agree or yeah. they want to they, they wanna impose something that feels like very intrusive mm. on you. Yeah. And definitely I think, you know, if they don't want to agree to certain terms that seem quite basic, these are red flags, right? I yeah. mean, you know, that might probably open you up to exploitation or being exploited. Um, Well, I mean, from an artist's perspective, uh, there are lots of ways that, you know, 
people approach an artist to to work together. So it could be that you already created some a body of work and you're going to work with a gallery for the first time. So you're going to enter into an agreement where the gallery represents you or at least presents a solo show or presents a group show where your work is in and all that. And all these things come with like different parameters to work with. So... Maybe we start with something, um, yeah, quite basic, I guess. Like, you know, you just graduated out of out of um, college and you have a work that someone wants to put in a group show. Like, how would you approach that, you know? Okay, so how I would approach it is first, um, first do my due diligence and get to know the reputation of the gallery so that true. wants to show my work. Look at its previous works, um, sort of... Ask around your network, ask around your professors or your lecturers, you know, do they know the gallery, you know, what kind of shows to the gallery, uh, you know, have there been instances where artists have been unhappy with the gallery and why? Mm -hmm. I think that's just sort of a due diligence, you know, I've been talking about, uh, I mean, I don't really want to focus so much on the legalities of it, it's, it's just, you know, through common sense, trying mm -hmm. to understand, if the gallery has a great reputation, then there isn't really that much of a... Uh, concern, but if it's a new upcoming gallery, you, you just have to be sure that whatever work that you want to put up, that you can, that you're okay with the risk that's yeah. being taken. Yeah, and I think I mean this is also good advice for would be collectors, right? I mean to do your due diligence, like you said, because um, it's not just you know for the artists um, themselves, but yeah. like as a collector, you want to make sure that the gallery is you know doing right by the artists and also promoting the artists in a way that has longevity. Um, it makes good sense not just for the artists but also for a collector because you want someone who's going to be able to support and promote the artists for a long, long time so that whatever you invest in can also have good returns. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, as I mean, as a collector, I mean the tricky thing about collecting art is that art is not like a medium, like um, how to say something like something solid and stable like a diamond or gold. You can you can basically measure or assess um, the purity of gold, or you can you can basically certify what is gold and what is not, right? The methods are not going to change over the years. But with art, art is always very tricky because, um, you know, issues like authenticity come in as well because you don't even, I mean, what may be considered authentic 20 years ago, sometimes questions may be raised 20 years later, and then you're thinking, oh, was that, was the piece of art that I uh, inherited 20 years ago, is that actually still considered authentic or not? Mm. So there are instances where, you know, you inherit pieces and then suddenly people seize the pieces and then it throws question onto the entire uh, entire catalogue of works that the person, uh, that an artist has allegedly um, produced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of uh, it's not just relying on the gallery as well. I think I think galleries are very helpful when it comes to contemporary art, but I think with modern works of art where um, if you, there's no catalogue resonate, right? Mm -hmm. Or if there are multiple catalogues resonate and you can't really um, reconcile the works in one catalogue resonate versus another catalogue resonate, then... Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about this thing with catalogue resume because I think one of the best advice um, or one of the key advice I would give to young artists would also be to catalogue their works well, right? So to have an archive, to start kind of like already documenting, you know, 
what work made when. I mean, all this information yeah. will be really useful because I think um, a lot of times when we are looking back at artists' works and how you know they've not been documented by galleries or institutions, um, it's really up to the artist himself or herself. I mean, you can archive your work, right? You can say, you know, when you made this one, um, what materials they were in. You can make sure you have pictures as well because I think, you know, the holy grail of like all these... Um, like whenever you have a modern work, for instance, and then you want to find out what's going on with it, first of all, you go to the catalogs. And then when you can unearth some like family pictures or some pictures of the artist together with the work, that's when the authenticity is just, you know, um, you can't refute that. I mean, it's just as it is. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, but I think that's also the danger of, uh, you know, um, archiving too much. Okay. So, for instance, um, I was reading or, or, or listening, uh, I was reading an article or listening to a podcast where, where the person mentioned that, um, you know, the artist Ai Weiwei um, has archived so much and, and including the entire process of, of how his works have been made that it would take years and years for people to digitise Okay. the archives. So I think you have to take a sensible approach. I, I think as what you said, um, I think I think archiving the completed works is the bare minimum. Mm. Um, because I think it might be too much to ask to archive all your works in progress or your sketches or all, all the things that are done in progress. Yeah. Um, because that, that shouldn't be your primary concern. Um, your main concern is really to make sure that you've, in a sense, marked your works. You've, you've, you've authenticated the works that you've produced. Um, this is also really important, especially for prints, for example, um, because it's very, very likely that prints can... I mean, prints are easily forged in the market in the future. In, in now, it's very easy to find like forged prints of like Andy Warhol, for example. Um, and in the future, it wouldn't be surprising if, you know, if you're an artist and you're working in prints and your prints become really um, famous and, 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 and successful, people will start forging the prints because they, they think that these are going to sell. So you need to be also be able to find a way to sort of mark them and you need to work with your gallery closely in order to be able to do that. Mm, yeah. Okay. And what more advice would you give to like I mean you know as you're talking about how there are lots of forgeries out there right yeah. so then we kind of come back to the idea of like you know if you want to buy a print for instance how do you protect yourself then um get if you can if you have the resources find an expert valuer okay um find a third party valuer who you feel that you can trust um to to ascertain whether the print is um original or okay. whether it's a fake um yeah uh i think that's i mean try to work with a reputable uh, auction house reputable gallery a reputable partner mm -hmm. because it's not in their interest as well to um sell something that is forged or fake because mm -hmm. it affects the reputation as well mm -hmm. um yeah, just do your due diligence as much as possible. But, I mean, if the price... Look at the price as well and think about, you know, what do you want to do with your work in the future? Um, because, it, I mean, if you're looking at the work as just uh, something as part of what your family owns or something that's very personal to you and you're not looking into investing the work of art, does it really matter whether the work of art is uh, forgery or whether it's 
original or not. But if you're looking into investing it and then thinking of, you know, um, maybe in the future generations, my kids, my grandkids, maybe they they can, you know, sell this artwork at an auction. Um, and hopefully this artwork will fetch a, you know, larger price. Um, then that's something that you really need to worry about because that's risk that you're taking on as mm. well. Because if the, if, the, if the artwork turns out to be forged, then... You, you're, you're really in no better position. Mm. Um, and because and there, there are all sorts of complications in the art market, right? Um, there's sometimes a bit too much secrecy into how certain things have been acquired or the extent to which certain things have been repaired or conserved. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really about trying to do your due diligence and also being okay with... Because inevitably in any... I mean, you can you can buy like 50 works of art and I mean, there's always the risk that out of those 50, there are going to be a couple which yeah. may not be real. Despite your best judgment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Despite your best judgment. I mean, I've, I've come across, you know, experts in their fields who have purchased like manuscripts from auction houses. And then, you know maybe eight, ten years later, they realise, oh, the manuscript is may not be fully real because sometimes manuscripts are partly real and partly forged. Okay. Yeah, so there are also varying degrees of counterfeit and forgery in a piece of work, in artwork. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just the risk that you take, really. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's sort of like a practice, but at the same time, you have to account for the fact that there will be mistakes somewhere. Yeah, there will be. Yeah. Okay, well, we've been toggling back and forth between, you know, the artist's perspective and the art collector's perspective. Um, and I think now I just want to go deep into the artist's perspective, you know, and talk about things that they have to take care of beyond, you know, just like thinking about the artwork themselves and about, you know, which galleries to work with, for instance, about archiving their work. Um, I think there are some things that we don't get taught in schools necessarily. Yeah. You know, or like we don't think about them until the problem or issue present themselves. So what about, you know, after you've created this artwork, you know, and you think to yourself like, mm, do I want to keep it? Do I want to sell it? I know that there are lots of students who, you know, when they graduate and they have this work, they think, well, it's my first one. I want to keep it for sentimental reasons. Uh, or it could be for commercial reasons, thinking like you know, in the future, mm. if I'm doing really well. Then the original one, the one that started it all, yeah. will be worth something, right? Because it could be a mix of both sentimental and commercial reasons. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give about that? You know, do I want to keep it? Do I want to sell it? If I keep it, how do I want to display it? You know, all these kind of questions that come up. I think the advice is really to um, understand what is, what is the impact of the work, mm-hmm. um, based on what you're doing with the work. So if you're putting in a public setting, what is the impact of the work? Why, what is the work itself? Um, sometimes, I mean, I, I, I come across works where uh, the work is really interesting, but um, it can be risky to, to publicly display it because of maybe uh, some people feel that it may be borderline obscene or some people feel that it may be borderline defamatory. Or some people may you may even feel that the work, uh, the the work itself, um, is related to something that is possibly a criminal offence. Okay. Um. So I think that's the tricky thing about the art market or being an artist is because art exists 
because we all there are, there are different countries and each country has a different laws and so what may be illegal or unacceptable in one country may not have the same status in another country um, and so these I mean I think artists don't have to be too overly concerned um, with the work if they if the work itself doesn't have uh, uh, elements that may be considered controversial. But I think if there are elements that are considered controversial, then you really have to think about what is the purpose of of displaying the work, because it may not necessarily be to sell. It may necessary. It may actually be part of sort of a branding exercise, or you know. Or it may be a way for you to establish a relationship with the law and to try and interact with the law in a way that, that you feel is attentive to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so always be... And, 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 and try not to get too caught up with the use of you know, branded uh, goods or trademarks in your work as well. Because you know, if your work becomes so famous and, and you know, the a particular logo or brand is really prominent within the work, then then the company that owns the logo or the brand may come after you. Okay. And they may say, you know, we we never gave you permission, permission to, to actually yeah. to actually use uh, our logo or our brand. Mm. Yeah. Um and things like permits and 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 you know, because as an as an artist you always think or or someone who doesn't really know the the regulatory landscape, you always think that there's actually not that much that goes on behind just putting up an artwork on the wall. But actually, there's so much mm. going on. And it becomes even more complicated with performance art because you have to go through all these uh, regulatory like um, hurdles, basically, mm. yeah. <laughs> to make sure that, you know, that the authorities approve of your performance art and what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, so these are the things that you really have to try and think about and, and, and have good reason in, in, in the ways that you, that you want to interact with the law. Okay. Yeah. I think this is really good advice, especially since, you know, I've been seeing more and more kind of like self-funded, um, sort of like organised groups sort of thing, you know, like trying to circumvent the usual, like I want to be represented by a gallery kind of pathway. Um, there are all these things that go behind the scenes, right? Yeah. So like if you want to be an artist slash curator slash administrator and an organiser, I mean, these are the things that you have to contend with and you have to educate yourself about. Yes. Um, and not be surprised or like, you know, put in all the effort and then at the end, like, oh, you know, it can't happen because yeah. you forgot to file for a permit or you forgot like, or you didn't know that you had to figure these things out, yeah. right? Um, and I mean, you know, if we go beyond that about things like installation or shipping or transport, I mean, these are also things that have to be taken care of, right? Yeah. Or like insurance, um I mean, you really have to think, you really have to discuss with everyone involved. I mean, who's going to pick up the cost? Who's going to pick up the tab? And with insurance, even with insurance, you really, you need to either read the clauses carefully or you need someone who can read the clauses carefully to tell you what insurance covers. Because insurance is not going to cover every single thing that happens to your artwork mm. under the circumstances. Um, and you also have to think, do you even want to insure your artwork? What is the value of the artwork? Because insurers will always come to you and say, how do you value your artwork? Yeah. I mean, and they will want to value the artwork as well. So is it worth insuring the artwork yeah. in that way? Mm. Um, so, and, and with transport, you know, if you're transporting a work overseas, then it gets tricky as well, because what do you declare customs, right? Yeah. It, 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 
and 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 that that also applies to um, people who buy artwork because the international um, art market is by its name international. You get artworks being flown from city to city, country to country, um, and sometimes you know I've heard cases of people who buy an artwork from a particular um, country. I'm not gonna say what artwork or what country and they don't declare it as an artwork when they bring it out mm-hmm. and then they find out later it's a forgery but they can't do anything because they didn't declare it. they didn't declare as an artwork yeah, yeah so because if they declare as an artwork that's a crime you're, you're supposed to declare yeah. it as an artwork so it's these kinds of things that you know you, you really need to think about you really need to consider um, whether you you are willing to take those risks. Yeah. yeah, so it's about like whether you want to save in the short term or do things on up mm. and up yeah. and kind of like... Okay, um, well, I see that just now we were talking also about, you know, I mean, if we t- think really long term, right, about how what happens when an artist passes away and then you think about what will happen to your artworks. So this happens for both the artists and art collectors, I would say, wouldn't it? Yes. Yep. So yes. it's like you have the hours in a possession, whether you're the owner of them because you are the artist himself or herself, or then you purchase the works in the art collection and they belong to you as well. Yeah. Um, what kind of plan can one have, you know, to allow the works to remain in the family's possession, for instance? Um, and in terms of being an artist, what can an artist do to ensure that the family owns the intellectual property of the work? Well, intellectual property, the way it works is that um, intellectual property, the duration of the the rights that, that you own will last uh, about, uh, give or take, about 75 years after your death. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, usually when it comes to an artist, let's say you've built up a catalogue of works, you've already marked it out, you know what works belong to you and you've said it very clearly to your family as well then it's really about ensuring that um, if you want to if you want to ensure that the, the works stay within your family then then I think you you really need to make clear see whether in your legal documents uh, get some sort of give some sort of direction that uh, the family cannot dispose of the works um, for whatever reason. Um, and I think the difficulty with, with artists is if you have large extended families or very large families, you have like many siblings or if you have many children, um, inevitably there will always there, there may be concerns, there may be disagreements between different members of the family as to what to do with the artworks as well. So if you think that there are going to be disputes, you can actually make it you can try to simplify it at your end and make sure that um, if you do pass away, once you do pass away, that that um, that there will be certain things in place to ensure that um, your works will still remain with the family. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, that is just something that, I mean, everyone has to inevitably deal with mm. as well. Um, and, I mean, from the collector's perspective, uh, I think it's also very important to understand, you know, where the works come from, um, how you've inherited the works and what you're willing to do with the works and what you're willing to say about the works as well. Um, Because it depends on 
who you've inherited the work from, uh, maybe your mom or your dad or grandfather or grandmother, how the work came into the possession as well. So if there are certain things that you are not able to say or to warrant, that's the term that we use in, in the, to, to actually represent, then you shouldn't feel compelled to represent or say that. Um, and ultimately... You know, there are various ways and instruments in which you as an art collector, if you feel that you want to donate to an institution, um, but you want it timed after uh, your death or you don't want to do it while you're alive, there are certain ways in which you can do that as well. Uh, and there are any, uh, you just need to consult your lawyers and make sure that the documents clearly state what happens after your death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and yeah, I mean... It's ultimately your responsibility to ensure that that the that you know the works are dealt with in the way that you want them to, whether being donated during or after, or whether for them to be kept within the family's possession. Okay, yeah. and I mean, in your work um, previously at, at NHB, did you also come across you know lots of sort of cases where people donated their works and there were some kind of legal issues around that? I mean, there there are always okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I I, I think, mean I'm, I'm I think, sure you can't share the details. Yeah, but I can't, but I think uh, that's a that's a it's a it's a common thing that happens for any institution across mm-hmm. the world when they're receiving donated works or when they're even purchasing works uh there's always there are always issues surrounding you know beyond things like provenance beyond things like um risk uh it's really about you know um you know how easily how easy is it to deal with you know the estate how easy are there disagreements within the estate i mean i've come across cases where and I'm sure this is, again, not unique to... And, and you can find it in any institution when ma- family members completely disagree. Or, or one family member will say, I am the owner. And the other family member says, he, he or she is the owner. So then how do you reconcile that, right? As, as an institution or, or as any... Or even if you're just a gallery and you're trying to borrow works as part of a larger retrospective or something. So you have some works that are from directly from the artist and some works directly from collectors that you borrow. And then and then once you and then when you want to return them you're like, oh uh, this guy claims he's the owner, then like this lady claims she's the owner, then how are you going to reconcile that? So I think that is where you really need, you know, the the, the documents that that set out the terms of the loan, it needs to be very clear who the owner is. Because mm. otherwise, if it's not clear, um, then you're going to run into problems yeah. in the future. You, you Try not to take shortcuts okay. because shortcuts may lead to more problems along yeah. the way. Because sometimes you try to take shortcuts because you think that, oh, you know, like the show's going to come out soon and I really need this work because it forms an important integral part of the show and you deal with someone who you're not sure is the owner but but the person can get the work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that will run into problems in the future. If Got you. The, if the real owner feels like that, I never gave you permission. I never, yeah, yeah and you need to take the work down now. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. happens so much, right? I mean, you always read about news. I mean, you always read about how, you know, the show is opening and then the day before someone comes and takes it down, whether it's for regulatory reasons or yeah. ownership reasons. Um, yeah. You know, these things happen. And I think that's such a good lesson to learn, this uh, idea of not taking shortcuts because I also 
also know that, you know, there are lots of verbal agreements that take place, sort of like a gentleman's handshake thing. I think somehow that still works in the art world. You know, like, a, oh, I know you, you know me. And, you know, we're just friends. We've been friends for a long time. But I think that's really not protecting oneself. Yeah. You know, or putting too much trust in someone who's an authority figure. So, like, maybe as a young artist, you just think, well, I'm not going to be betrayed by, I don't know, my professor or my professor's friend who is a gallery director but you know just knowing your rights and kind of protecting yourself would be good because you always need a paper trail isn't it yes um, i will always recommend a paper trail um and again as i said earlier it doesn't have to be complicated or complex the words you don't have to you don't have to use big words or legalese or yeah. like legal big words right all you need to do is just state simply what you what you what your rights are, basically, and what you want out of the arrangement. Hmm. Um, The terms of agreement, and just the two signatures from the two parties. Yes. Um, Yeah, as far as possible, avoid verbal agreements. Um, I think the art world in Singapore, I I guess there's there's an assumption that the art world in Singapore is very small, and therefore, like, you can rely on... You can sort of use the art market itself as sort of self-regulator. So if you know that people are not behaving, or you know that people are not... Um, doing things according to what is right, then you can sort of like publicly shame them mm-hmm. or like spread the word. But that is only as, I mean, that's only effective to a certain point, you yeah. know. So You're you not going to get want, money back yeah. or anything from there. And you don't want to reach that point either, right? No. You want to make sure that you protect yourself uh, from the very beginning so that at least then you can later point to, you know, the, the term and the clause and, and you have greater reason to actually be aggrieved at mm-hmm. them, you know, like, uh, uh, but, yeah, because um, you you want something done in black and white rather than like he said, she said. Yeah. yeah, it's very easy for, and then when it comes to he said, she said, it's very easy for people with um, with with like a larger platform to actually sort of throw stones at you and yeah. and and say things about you and and you know it's very hard for a person with a very small platform to 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 say anything meaningful. Uh, yeah. or, or to get your voice amplified. Yeah. yeah. Well, it all sounds like common sense. Yes. And somehow now at the end of the conversation, I'm like, why do not more people <laughs> practice common sense? But I think it's just all rolled up in, you know, like you said, the secrecy that can come with the art market. Because part of how it works is also with like exclusivity about limited access, you know, yes. about how there's like the more experienced or the more insider group and then there are the outsiders who are trying to get in and, you know, with the insecurities that come with that as well. But at the bottom, I mean, at the end of it all, just protect yourself. Do the research you need to do. Um, have things down in words. Don't ever give that up, right? Yes. And don't take shortcuts. Um, sometimes they will come and bite you in the backside. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, just get everything properly done. Yes, I mean, I, I completely agree. I, I think that um, you don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to be incredibly smart to do all this. You yeah. just need to be smart enough to know that you have you have your own set of guidelines. Uh, you have your own baseline conditions that you do not want to be crossed over, yeah. or or to to or or for it to or for the threshold to be lowered, lah. Yeah. Yeah. And just practice common sense. Don't get taken advantage of. Yes, that's say. very very important. Don't get taken advantage of. Yeah, and by, also, by anyone, yeah. like by the gallery, by institution, yeah. even if you think they're reputable, I think. Yeah. yeah. And and don't feel like overwhelmed by mm-hmm. sometimes because uh, I mean with bigger institutions usually the the standard terms and conditions tend to be very long and stuff like that. But um, 
try not to get too caught up with them. Just focus on you know certain key clauses as to what you're what you are supposed to do and what happens if the event cannot go on or if certain uh or if they feel that 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 you know, certain people have not performed their obligations or, or done what they were supposed to do. Then just focus on those. Don't get too overwhelmed. But like mm. sometimes you have like clauses with like eight, nine, ten sentences and they're like one big chunk of paragraph. Yeah. yeah. It's it's fine. Like just focus on on a few key clauses. Yeah. And yeah. you can always check, you know, with like um fellow artists or like yes, exactly. seniors or like with people whom you think would give you sound advice. Um even sometimes just asking a friend or a family member yeah. for another perspective whom you know you can trust. Yes. Yeah. It's really, really important. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well I think um that's all we have for today. Yes for the ABCs of Art Law. Uh, we hope it's been um, illuminating and watch out for more from Zaki. Yes. Um, and just to caveat, this is not... <laughs> I have to say Zaki this... Zaki had told me like, should I say this in the beginning or the end? So here he is now with his disclaimer. <laughs> I have to say this, you know, this is not intended to be legal advice. Um, this is... Please, so please, you know, don't, don't rely on this as legal advice. This is ultimately just common sense. <laughs> if you want legal advice, and because every case is specific, you yeah. know, you can consult a lawyer, I mean, and or, or not ask around if there are lawyers who are willing to do things pro bono at or at a lower cost as well. Uh, because, you know, there are lawyers out there who are uh, very much interested in, you know, uh, working with artists and making sure that artists know what their rights are. There are plenty of resources online as well that can really help you as an artist. I mean, by Law Society, um, plenty of resources online. So it's really about you, you know, owning what you do. You know, don't feel too, uh, don't feel embarrassed. Don't think that any question is a stupid question. Yeah. Don't think that questions that you have, you know, because the fact that you have a question means that this is something that's important to you yeah. and you're concerned about. Right. If you're concerned about it, please approach, you know, people who know better. Yeah. And I think this applies not just to artists but also art collectors because yes. I know also of art collectors who, especially if they're just beginning their collecting careers uh, or their collecting journeys, um, and then they feel embarrassed because they're like, oh gosh, you know, I, I bought mm. from someone who, like, pretty much swindled me but I don't want to say it because then I, I seem so stupid because probably the collector will think like, well, I shouldn't be so stupid I shouldn't have been like that right um, but I think you know these cases are just like out there even the experts like we were talking about earlier um, you know have met with their fair share yes. so I think it's only when you open up and you talk about it that you know something can be done and you know there's no room for embarrassment I think when it comes to to art law or law or just like you know um owning what you have yes, and what you're doing. Exactly. You know, just protect yourself and if that has that is no longer possible, then try to get something back from it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um yeah. So I think we'll just and there now. And uh, thank you so much for listening to AM Conversations. And we'll have more for you next time. For now, if you'd like to subscribe to us, we are on SoundCloud Podcast not podcast, oh my gosh, what I'm talking about, Apple Podcasts <laughs> and Spotify. Um, and do follow us as well on Instagram and Facebook at um, Art and Market. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.